0: Trainer's Trough, episode 005, October 17th, 2008. Hi there! You've downloaded The Trainer's Trough, the podcast for the nuclear training professional where the topic is heavy, but the treatment is light. Welcome, and thank you for downloading Episode 5 of The Trainer's Trough. The interview today is with Dr. Krista P. Terry. She is the Director, Technology and Learning Center at Radford University in Radford, Virginia. Krista came on my radar screen, as so many of our podcast interviewees do, when I attended an instructor workshop, and Krista was there as the keynote to describe learning tools that can be used by instructors to improve student learning and especially technology or higher technology tools, especially web-based tools. And I think she was very successful. She got me very energized. I went home from the conference and I immediately signed up for Google Docs and Google Reader and got myself a Google account, which of course entails getting a Gmail mail account. And um, I was pretty excited by the process. You know, I wanted to use some of these newer technologies, wikis, blogs, uh, Web 2.0 based tools for allowing students and instructors to form instructional communities and extend us beyond the classical. Put up a PowerPoint, stand at the front of the room, and lecture. And that's what that's what Krista is all about. That's what her academic uh, mission is all about. So the interview with her is designed to give us a bit of an introduction to some of these tools. Krista was kind enough to give us some names of tools web-based tools that we could use and describe process a little bit. And she was also kind enough, as so many of our interviewees are, to allow us to put her name and her web address and her email address up on the website so that if you had any questions, that you would be able to communicate with her directly. And without further ado, I'm going to segue to that interview with Krista P. Terry. Krista, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Trainer's Trough podcast. I uh, hope everything's good for you down in uh, Radford, VA. Is that where you're at?
1: Yes, it is. Thank you. Everything's well.
0: Cool. I've uh, already given what I always describe in these things as salacious good mojo to you in my, in my introduction to the podcast. So the folks who are listening have a sense of, at least from me, where you, uh, where you came from and, and what you're up to. I've described the work that you do. And as I mentioned when we were doing the lead-up for the podcast, I am particularly interested, and I assume that my audience is particularly interested in where trainers can actually, you know, rubber meets the road, where a technical trainer can actually get tools in the toolbox. So I've had the opportunity to sit through your wonderful lectures on the use of some of the new technologies. And what I wanted to give you free reign on, you know, they, they don't tune in to hear me, is Where do you think there are opportunities that you may have seen or that we could explore where people who are like nuclear trainers or anyone who is a technical trainer can make use of some of the new technologies that that you were discussing, which, because people weren't there, included things like the wikis and the blogs and and maybe stuff I don't even remember?
1: Well, I think the good news about where we are right now in the world of, of technology, especially When we look at the tools available on the internet is that we're pretty wide open in terms of both what we can have access to in terms of a tool that we can use to apply to an instructional environment and what we have access to in terms of content, information that we can consume, or information that we can produce and put out there for a variety of audiences. So um, from an instructional perspective, we have tools like blogs and wikis and uh, multimedia tools and community-based tools that are out there that are proliferating um, in a variety of content areas that we have Um, access to more so now than we did in the, in the prior generation of the internet where we were looking primarily at static web pages and, you know, pretty, I don't want to say dry, but not dynamic content in terms of we could go to a web page and look at it and read it and it could link us out to other web pages. But now we have a really dynamic, um, what's referred to often as the read-write web in that we have tools out there we can use. We can sign up for an account and start our own wiki within our instructional area, within our class, within our training scenario, or we can participate in a wiki that's being populated by other content experts around the country, around the world. So I think there's just such a wide variety, such a proliferation right now of tools that are available to trainers and instructors.
0: Do me a favor, because we are going to be, um, you and I are lucky enough to be having, you know, we've got the little video on where we can see our faces, but we really can't see other stuff. Um, the audience is probably going to be listening to this in an iPod in a car, sitting at a desk, streaming it to their computer. Could you just describe for people who didn't don't know what a wiki is, What what's a wiki?
1: Sure. A wiki is really one of the technologies that I, um, is one of my favorite tools to use in terms of being able to collaborate. It's a, it's a great web-based collaboration tool. Um, a wiki is built on a web page and on a blog-like technology where you can, without knowing HTML or Dreamweaver or any web editors, you can sign up for an account, which gives you a web page that you can post content to. But additionally, you can also invite other people to be contributors um, to that site to that wiki site so um The most popular example is Wikipedia. Wikipedia is a wiki in that it's an encyclopedia. It's an online encyclopedia. Anybody can sign up for an account and post content, edit content that's already there and contribute to the growing knowledge base of Wikipedia. So similarly, if I was to do, if I was to pilot a wiki project for my class, I could create a wiki site. My students could enroll in that site and we could all contribute content, edit content or work collaboratively to create create a knowledge base um, on whatever content area we were focusing
0: on. Uh, something occurred to me. I, I Actually, it occurred to me because after attending your lecture, uh, I ran out and signed up for Google Docs and Google Reader and got myself an iGoogle page, and I had never done that before. I'd only used Google as a, you know, it came up in the classic page, and I would use Google and Yahoo, and I would hunt for stuff. I... First, I started to try and do a blog. I wanted to do a blog. It was this is kind of like how do you best learn stuff? If you, that I don't know if you're into the way Jim Armstrong is into the uh, David Merrill stuff, but when he talks about the best way for adults to learn is to have a real world problem, it uh, I'm like wow. I have this thing related to OJT on the job training and task performance evaluation, and I thought wow, I would really like to set up a web based community opportunity for communication because, of course, my fleet has plants in Connecticut and in Virginia and in Wisconsin. And I wanted to be able to talk to my OJT trainer evaluators through this medium. And what I quickly discovered was it is, like most of the web, a very open medium. And it occurred to me then almost equally quickly, well, wow, I don't want to be discussing what could be in some cases really, not probably security related, but certainly sensitive information that would be, uh, you would not necessarily want, you, you absolutely wouldn't want to share with everybody. And so I went to my own Trainer's Trough uh, web facility. I have 1on1.com as the, out, the ISP that I use, and they said, oh, you know, one of the things you can do is you can create a blog. And I thought, well, okay, so maybe I can create a blog through through Trainer's Trough, and I can just set it up in a way that these OJT guys can use. It's sort of a hidden corner of the Trainer's Trough, since I'm already paying for the server space. And I quickly discovered that I could create a blog, but there was no way that I could make it permission only. It was going to have to be open to the world. And then I took your advice, and I went out to Google to Blogger, and I did discover that Blogger by all accounts, will allow me, did allow me to create an OJT blog that was a permission only. But what about the issues of privacy? Have you ever, as an educator, you're probably in a more open environment, but have you ever considered professionally those issues of privacy?
1: Absolutely. And I think it's something that everybody needs to be mindful of because we are in a different world. The Internet is more open. So there are um, issues from a variety of perspectives. We struggle with it here in an academic, um, in a higher ed context from the intellectual property uh, perspective. So faculty that are podcasting or wanting to put materials out there Um you know, how widely do they want to distribute those materials? Do they want to be out there for uh, possible repurposing? So an example of that is um, with us looking at our virtual reality applications. Um, Second Life has been a very popular application in the educational world. Our faculty weren't too excited about that because Second Life is very wide open and it's more difficult to protect who comes in and consumes whatever materials or whatever conversations that are going on in that world. So alternatively, we've been looking at a tool called Quack, um, which is another <laughs> virtual you, Quack <laughs> Q-W-A-Q, like <the> duck. <laughs> Quack Like the Duck, Q-W-A-Q, yes. Um, another virtual reality application, um, which is not—it's um, a—it's—it's it's not out on the web. It's a licensed—you have to have a license of it to to run it. And so therefore, you can delegate whoever you want to have licenses to enter your your virtual reality space. So that was a decision. Faculty seem to be a, a lot more accepting or interested in in that application than they are Second Life. So I think there are always issues to look at, and I think. Um, again the good news about where we are is there are options um, Google Docs is a very good tool for that because it, it is all based on um, accounts so you can invite collaborators based on their account and the document doesn't go out there as a public document unless you publish it and and tell it to be to be public so there are a lot of um, a lot of issues but also a lot of different options
0: you know it's funny that you would mention that because that, that was the that was the next. I wouldn't call it a stumbling block, but the next issue for me was that after I got onto Blogger and they say, "Oh, you can set up this permissions uh, blog," I thought, "Oh, good, okay, great. You can only you know invite people," and then you get on and it says, "Oh, but anybody that you're going to invite in order to log in has to have a Google account," which from a You know, from their business point of view, I'm a guy with an MBA, I understand this deal. Sure, you're going to get people to sign up to your service, that's how you let them in the door. you got to have an ID card, if you will. But that was, and I'm like, oh boy, now the question is, uh, are all these other people who are nuclear professionals who may not share my passion for this, uh, or even supervision, going to say, well yeah, we're going to let our employees, you know, or or encourage our employees to sign up with an outside, non-corporate service. Uh, and then use that as the um, as a technology tool for business related work I still I haven't actually gone public with the blog because I haven't had the time to sit with supervision with the management people who really need to be involved in saying it's okay and and explaining what I want to do I've always found that's the first path to management acceptance They they always reflexively say no because they danger will Rogers they sense that immediately uh, and then you got to, wait a minute, before you say anything, let me explain everything I want to do, and then you can make an informed judgment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, there's options there too. I'm actually meeting with our CIO next week to see um, Google has actually put out an option for business and industry or educational institutions to adopt um, Google. They're calling it Google Apps or Google Applications, where actually Radford University students would have Gmail accounts that are in the Radford.edu domain. So um, if we wanted, if we adopt the Google Apps. Um, structure infrastructure then we could share google docs on campus with our radford emails and our students would have um they'd actually have gmail accounts but they would be under the radford domain so it would still be all under our domain but we would be using the google tools so that's something that google is in the process of rolling out both toward both to education and business and industry where it does combat issues like what you're saying um, that you don't need to necessarily have a Google account if you're using the Google apps aspect.
0: Ooh. So it would I have a feeling that the large, very large and ponderous organization I work for would would have fits over something like that. But what it sounds like is you it's invisible to the user that their their activity is being stored up in the cloud in the Google servers rather than in the Radford servers. But to the to them it looks like it's a Radford account. It's still Gary at bradford.edu but, but i mm-hmm. end up in in a server so, which i imagine if you're something like a university where hardware and and all that maintenance stuff is an expense right that that could be very it could be very attractive right because you say well we're just going to all that stuff's going to be in the cloud all we have to do is get those t1 lines up to it and and they take care of the storage
1: absolutely and there are testimonials from um People like the IT administrators at Central Piedmont Community College who say they so- saved a you know, quarter million dollars the first year on, on their web servers and their hardware that they didn't have to purchase and maintain anymore because it was all, all their email was being stored on Google servers and, like you said, up in the cloud. So it can be a real infrastructure saving as well as the fact that you, you're not going outside or it doesn't look like you're going outside to a non-propri- non-proprietary account.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Um, I look at my clock, and I know I've only got you, I've I booked you in for an hour, and that's like 18 minutes from now. So if if we wanted, you know, if I get, you have this this podium, you've got, I don't know, there's, my goal, of course, is there's probably about a 1,000 nuclear trainers at the current operating nuclear plants. And, of course, I'd love every one of them to be eagerly having me on RSS and getting the new podcasts as they come out of Trainer's Trough. But... What if we said, well, let's think about one thing or one tool that they could use in a technical training role, and and I think you've had enough familiarity with us now, you know we've got the technical people that do the INC and the electrical and mechanical maintenance kinds of things, and then our operator trainers who are being trained to operate the power plant, some tool that their technical trainers could use specifically to improve the learning and i say that with malice aforethought not you know the instructional process making it better for our students i, I not just easier or more, or more novel but actually making a better learning environment for students that they may not have thought of
1: i think you know and i'm going to not to be redundant because there's a lot of options out there and a lot of things that i could choose from but what is first and foremost in my mind at the moment is going back and looking at wikis again because I think wikis um, focus on process as well as product. So in terms of technical learning, you can be more engaged in the process by participating in archiving and sharing your knowledge as well as the instructor's knowledge, as well as the students, can be active in in partaking of that knowledge as well, and and contributing to it as well. And this can happen, you know, either plant wide or co- company wide, or you know, in a variety of different contexts. So it's really focusing on um, collective collective knowledge and collective intelligence um, because you're collecting knowledge from variety constituents and the students are more active in the process of learning because they are contributing to the knowledge base themselves. And it can be dynamic um, visually as well because you can connect to um, images, you can connect to other websites, you can bring in a, a variety of different media into those wiki type of environments. So for me, wikis are really big containers for knowledge and uh, huge opportunities to collect knowledge and to collaborate on building a knowledge base. So I think wikis are really powerful tools in that
0: regard. And again, my, my original question about privacy and containing that world, do the tools that allow us to build wikis also allow us to constrain who can have access to them?
1: Absolutely. And, and wikis, you know, unlike Google Docs, wikis can be, you can install a wiki engine on the Dominion servers, on your company's servers. So they are actually software that's contained to your technology infrastructure for your company, your plant, or or whatnot. So um, that doesn't have to be outside at all. That can be completely contained to your in-house technical infrastructure.
0: Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just curious if somebody wanted to do that. Again, we're... Uh... We're Just One Outfit. Uh, this is listened to by, I, I know people in the Mid-Atlantic Nuclear Training Group are all aware of the podcast, so there's probably 10 or 11, 12 different plants. Uh, what's What's the name of the application that people buy to install? Um,
1: actually, most of them are free, so there's another bonus. Um,
0: <laughs> Uh-oh, scarier yet.
1: <laughs> there are a variety of different wiki engines. Uh, I think probably the most popular, the one that Wikipedia is built on, is called MediaWiki. And that needs, I think, a PHP server to do the install, but it can be installed in-house and can run on your intranet. doesn't even have to be available to the outside world at all. So it, it can be very much um, protected within um, within your company.
0: Now, you are. But, oh, Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, but there's a variety of tools out there. Um, MediaWiki, I think, being the predominant or most popular one.
0: Does it show up as an application in, like, on our homepage or something? Or is it a link? Is that what you'd end up doing? Or how, how would how would somebody in a structure, you know, typically what we've got, we have email, obviously, and we our particular firm uses Lotus Notes as its email client. Then we have an intranet web page that has a lot of different links on it would it would it be something that people would save as a favorite and then go to as a web link
1: I would think it would, could be a web link directly off your intranet homepage. page um, so access to the you know training wiki click here um, and then folks within that that have access to that intranet have access to the wiki and and nobody else
0: oh that's that's fascinating I think that's a there's a whenever I do these I always hope that I'm going to f- to get one thing that instructors can use right off the bat. We're kind of talking about strategic tools in some ways, so there's there's my one thing at least that if you're listening to this and you're an instructor, uh, despite the fact that in most cases it is a horrible uphill battle in the cold and the wet, you could go to your IT department through management and you could look into this media wiki and, and the fact that it would be a walled garden in a good sense that, that we could get something completely in our internet and use that tool would be wonderful.
1: And as a trainer if you know if you're just interested in the technology itself and want to go out there and explore um, there are a variety of open public tools that are out there that you can just sign up for an account just so you can get a feel for what the technology, how it works and what you can do with it. Um, wetpaint.com is one PB wiki is one. Uh, wiki Spaces is another. So there are a variety of tools out there. Like I said, if you just want to get out and sign up for a wiki and play around with it, just so you can see what it can do and think about the potential of it, you can do that as well.
0: That's that's you know that's cool because I know. I mean, I'm talking to you from my basement at home in a, in a recording studio that I built because it's a hobby thing, and I I'm not alone in that. I know a significant number of instructors who are very passionate about their work and have their own multiple laptops and buy software like Photoshop or whatever. If you don't get it at the at the workplace, they'll buy their own stuff to be able to create, make better stuff. So the, I guess the the message to all of you out there who are – you don't even have to be super passionate. As long as you've got access to a computer, uh, you may not be able to do it at the work site because of the corporate lockdown, but you could, you could duck home at nights or on weekends and you could log into some of these – wetpaint.com, pbwiki.com, and you could explore these technologies on an experimental testbed basis. And then, if you're like me, I know I was the first guy that brought a computer, a personal computer, into my training department in the early 1980s. I bought a PC clone from California, made it work, and brought it into the workplace when there was, it was kind of scorned. My manager at the time said, so what the hell is that thing? And I actually had the thing in a monitor on a back desk, And I showed them how you could use it. And he actually went out and fought for, I don't know, an IBM 286 or something when they were five or six grand. Um, That was the deal. I had put a couple of thousand into it because I was just passionate about it. So you can demonstrate technology. You can create uh, applications or examples of what can be done, and you can bring it to your management and then say, okay, now join me in the fight to, to get it appropriately accepted for our big system. When I get to the end of these, as we start to approach the end, I always say, you know, it's the the classical uh, critical conversation, $64,000 question. What else? What what else would you want to, you know, you have this unique perspective, you have a unique opportunity for an audience. What would you want to tell nuclear instructors about this emerging technology?
1: Gosh, it's hard to narrow it down to one thing because there's so much out there right now, and that's probably would be... What I would say is just go explore because it's the same as what I tell my faculty here. If there's something that you want to do in the classroom that you're not quite sure how to approach it and you think that technology may be a solution, chances are that there is a tool that will meet your need that's out there on the web right now. And if it's not there now, it'll probably be there by next month. <laughs> that's how quickly things are growing. And just within the last two years, I've seen tools come out the, out on the web where you can edit and produce video online, where you can edit and produce audio online where you can share images and um, alter images and enhance images online. So you can do just about anything that you would need to do with media within an instructional content context. There's a way to do that with a Web 2.0 tool out there. So I would say definitely explore, even when it comes to managing your information with what you stay up with on a in a professional in your professional world, um, there are a variety of tools out there that can help you manage all the content. If you subscribe to RSS feeds or other blogs, um, other news sources that are out there, there's a, a just a variety of tools that can help you manage your your digital life, your online life um, in terms of your social world or your informational world or. Um, any number of things. There's just so much out there. That would probably be my my parting words of advice is just to get out there and explore and think about what you would like to be able to do and then go look for it on the Internet because chances are it's out there.
0: One other question I was thinking as you were talking, that there's always the issue of, is this stuff frosting or is this stuff cake? You know, is Mm -hmm. it just novelty toys or does it really contribute materially to core learning or improving core learning of students who have a body of knowledge, body of information that they need to go from ignorance to, to knowledge and proficiency?
1: My mantra here on campus when I talk to the faculty is always put the pedagogy first. So even though I'm a quote-unquote technologist in that realm, uh, my foundation is in teaching and learning. So with that question, I would always go back to um, where where do you see there's a gap or a need or an issue within the instructional context where technology may enhance or may meet that need or solve that problem for you? So in many cases these some of these technologies can be the icing, but I think in a lot of sense they in a lot of senses they can be the cake as well if you are not currently meeting your students' needs or students aren't learning to the capacity that you wish they were learning or that you can see that they are learning. Then there may be another way to engage them, another way to, um, connect and help them make their connections and their learning. So the technology is a tool. Um, it's, you know, in our field, there's a a metaphor that's out there. It's, it's the grocery truck. It's the grocery delivery truck. It's not, it's not the goods. It's not what's actually in the truck that counts, but the truck can help you get the groceries from point A to point B. So the technology can be the tool that actually helps deliver the learning, but, Um, To focus on what the pedagogy is and what the learning needs are is absolutely the most critical part of the process.
0: Crystal, one of the things that I always ask podcast uh, participants is whether or not professionally people uh, would be free to contact you uh, via email to ask questions about instructional issues, whether that would be okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: Absolutely. I very much welcome those contacts and, contacts and those communications. Um, I like to stay abreast of what's going on in a variety of different instructional contexts and would like to um, offer my uh, assistance, my knowledge, wherever I can. So people are free to contact me um, at P. Terry at Gmail. And that's K-R-I-S-T-A-P-Terry at Gmail.
0: I'll make sure I put it in the show notes. Thank you. And give it, not a link, I guess, but we'll just make sure that it's in there so they can can get you through. So that'd be Christa, B, Terry at gmail.com. Yep. Well, our time is up, the time that's been allocated. I thank you very, very much for your participation. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to get something out that we'll you'll find somewhat amusing to hear yourself online and uh, set up a link and uh, give uh, give our nuclear professionals something to chew on.
1: Absolutely. It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Gary.
0: Thanks. Well, bye-bye. Hey, so that's it for this episode. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. A number of good tips from Krista Terry. Her email address, which I believe she said was P. Terry at gmail.com, all contained in the show notes. Definitely enjoy. Check out those blogs and wikis and Web 2.0 tools, and train on. Thanks for listening.